Kia ora, my name is Mark Easterbrook and you're listening to Going West Audio. For your enjoyment, education and inspiration, we've opened up our archives, queued up the tapes and unearthed the best oratory, discussion and performance from 25 years of the Going West Writers' Festival. In this episode... In 2017, we relocated Going West to the former Waitakere Council Chambers in Henderson after lightning caused a fire at the Titarangi War Memorial Hall. Selena Tusitala Marsh, then the newly minted Poet Laureate and our Kurnow reader, delivered her own lightning on stage with a joyous and powerful performance, including a poem written for the Queen. Kia ora koutou, talofa lava, bulavanaka, my loelele, kia orana, whakalofalahi atu, G'day, mate. It's so good to be out west. I am Avondale, born and raised. Coming through Newland, ah, yes. Um, what Nicola um, humbly left out, which, you know, the Kuma never sings of its own sweetness, but I've got to explain this beautiful Matua toko toko. Um, do you want to say it? Because it's still uncomfortable for me to I can't quite believe I did that. <clears throat> but on National Poetry Day, on the 25th, when Selena launched her new book, she was also uh, announced as being our Poet Laureate for the next two years. Isn't that extraordinary? And I can't believe that I forgot to say that. Hence the Matua Toko Toko. This is the parent Toko Toko. Um, the... Each poet laureate gets a tokotoko carved to reflect their unique identity, their personality, their unique poetics. Um, and I will be getting mine in March. So I said to the National Library, I must have the parent tokotoko because for Polynesians, objects are imbued with mana. And this isn't mine, this is yours. And so I said to them, my challenge is to get a thousand pairs of hands touching this toko toko before it goes back behind the glass case. I am now up to, what is it, 350? 350 because of my usual scheduled visit. So um, I'm going to perform for you my acceptance speech and then I'm going to pass it around and you would really bless this toko toko with your mana by touching it. I just have to ask, please, please, please return it to me because I'll be in so much trouble. <laughs> I accept this award on behalf of the 10-year-old at St. Joseph's or Tahahu who found a word to rhyme with monocle. I accept this award on behalf of writers in schools whose powers are bionicle. I accept this award on behalf of Pacifica peoples whose brown faces aspire to higher places. I accept this award on behalf of women whose hypothetical babies are born during political races. There you go, Jacinda. <laughs> I accept this award on behalf of working class who press against windows of privilege. I accept this award on behalf of tanga te whenua, without land, 
you know it takes a village. I accept this award on behalf of those for whom poetry induces vomit. I will woo you with haiku, spoken word, rhyming, couplet, rondeau, and sonnet. I accept this award on behalf of Mum, who spoke no English when she came here from Samoa. As her daughter, I accept the award of Poet Laureate. Quite poetic, don't you think, Aotearoa? Thank you. And so the collection is in three sections, Abyss, Trick, and Tightrope. And um, all praise be to Spencer Levine and Katrina Duncan, who helped design this cover for me. It's got that tightrope down the middle, and it's, it's, it's a bit bumpy, so your hands can feel it. And we all balance, don't we? We all are engaged in constantly balancing, sometimes against very oppositional forces. That photo that you can see there was one of my greatest balancing acts. <laughs> to be asked to perform at the heart of the British Empire as a New Zealander, as a Pacifica person, that was some challenge, right? One colleague even called me a sellout. I think he was joking because he was himself the recipient of an Oxford Rhodes Scholarship for three, six years. <laughs> and I, would, I just went for the week. <laughs> but in the middle of my name, Tusi Tala, is the proto-Polynesian word Allah, and it means pathway. It means bridge. And I've found as I've grown up at the University of Auckland and in the very many diverse communities that I take poetry and Pacifica mentoring to, that that's what we need. And that multicolored, beautiful tightrope on the cover symbolizes unity, unity and diversity. So when I was instated as the Commonwealth Poet for 2016, I gladly accepted because part of my role was to write and perform a poem for Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth II. Now she has this gig, and she's run it for, since 1953 at Westminster Abbey. And it's called Commonwealth Observance Day. She is the head of the Commonwealth, which is, of course, a problematic organisation. And the theme that she'd set for last year was unity. So I was asked, would I be able to write with a few rules in mind? I said, well, of course, I, I teach creative writing. I love creative writing exercises. You know, boundaries are great. What are they? And of course, I was thinking, this is far too big a platform the global stage for me to be able to represent myself, my very many diverse nations, right? So they said, well, there's just five rules. 
The first is that the poem had to be called Unity. I said, great, I'm about unity, yes. The second was that it had to somehow represent the 53 Commonwealth member nations <laughs> who had all be gathered there and represented. I said, that's fine, I, can, I love acrostic poems. I'll just start the, a line with the beginning of each nation's capital letter, that's fine, I can do that. The third rule was that it had to be under three minutes long because BBC would be filming it live. The fourth rule was that it had to appeal to over a thousand school children who had gathered from across the UK, members of parliament, heads of state, commissioners, and of course the monarchy who would be present there. I went, you know what, this is too important a stage to represent what I care deeply about, which is one of the things, global climate change, right? Because my grandfather's from Tuvalu. And the fifth thing they said is, I wasn't allowed to be political. <laughs> <laughs> and the poem would be subject to royal censorship. I would need to submit it a month before the event so they could approve it, that I'd get it back, I'd make changes if they're required. And I said, well, of course I can do that. <laughs> This is a poem due in March. I was invited um, into the commission in November, so I did what any self-respecting writer would do. I got writer's block for two months. <laughs> Nothing came for two months. Just stale, pat stories. But as I tell my students, writer's block isn't an excuse to sit on your royalist hands. I did a lot of research, about Her Majesty, about the Commonwealth, even about the architecture of Westminster Abbey where I'd be performing, even the Sacrarium Steps, the sacred and holy site where kings and queens have been coronated, royalty married, lots of really important people knighted, that's where I'd be performing. So in January, when I'd kind of had enough of being blocked, I swept the kitchen bench of all its uh, uh, family living. I got out a big piece of paper, a big black vivid pen marker, because vivids help me be vivid. I just love that joke, no one else laughs, that's okay. <laughs> and I wrote the title of the poem right in the middle of the, the page, Unity. Put a big circle around it and I just looked at it. And I walked around, and then I saw it. I saw the line around which the whole poem would build itself. There's a you and an I in unity. Costs the earth, and yet it's free. Unity. Let's talk about unity here in London's Westminster Abbey. Did you know there's a London in Kiribati? Ocean Island, South Pacific Sea. We're connected by currents of humanity, alliances, allegiances, colonial histories. For the salt in the sea, like the salt in our blood, 
like the dust in our bones. Our final return to mud means though 53 flags fly for our countries, they're stitched from the fabric of our unity. It's called the Va in Samoan philosophy. What you do affects me. What we do affects the land, sea, wildlife. Take the honeybee, nature's model of unity, pollinating from flower to seed. Bees thrive in hives, keeping their queen. And at this point, I look down at Her Majesty. <laughs> she looks up. Unity keeps them alive, keeps them buzzing. They're key to our fruit and veggie supplies. But parasitic attacks and pesticides threaten the bee, then you, then me. It's all connected. That's unity. There's a you and an I in unity. Costs the earth and yet it's free. My granddad's from Tuvalu. And to be specific, it's plop bang in the middle of the South Pacific, the smallest of our 53 Commonwealth nations, the largest in terms of reading vast constellations. My ancestors were guided by sky and sea trails, and way before Columbus even hoisted his sails. What we do now matters to those who go before. We face the future with our backs, sailing shore to shore. For we're earning and saving for a common wealth. A common strong body, a common good health means saving the ocean, means saving the bee means London and the UK, seeing London and the South Seas and sharing our thoughts over a cup of tea. <laughs> There's a you and an I in unity. Costs the earth and yet it's free. Thank you. So, 20 minutes before the event is about to begin, and everyone's seated except for the royal family, um, 20 minutes before the royal trumpeters announced the presence, it was, it was so marvellous to be seated front row in the transept area, directly across from PMs and heads of state and commissioners, Four rows back, I spy Sir Lockwood Smith and Lady Alexandra, who are my London whānau when I visit there, the then New Zealand High Commissioner and his wife. Across from me is Kofi Annan and his wife and David Cameron, the then PM, and um, someone who I thought was a comedian. We were standing in line for the loos, and it turned out to be um, John Major. <laughs> I know, I was just about to say to him, 
love your work, but then the guys with the speaker phones whisked him away and said, no, no, you shouldn't be standing here. Um, and diagonally across from me, Her Majesty and the Duke of Edinburgh and Kate and Wills, or Wills and Kate and Harry and Andrew would be seated. Um, and there were two spare seats next to me. And in comes a verger who was an official church, uh, church official dressed in the garb and holding his staff. And he shows an elderly gentleman and his wife to the seats next to me. And so I let them get settled and then I do that Kiwi thing that we do, right? You know what I'm going to do, right? <laughs> and so I turn to him and I say, hello, I'm Selena, the poet from New Zealand. And he looks at me and he looks at my hand and he stares straight ahead and he says, yes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no one can really see. I'll just turn it into a, like a yoga stretch. And I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, I can deal with it. I can. And I look across to where he's looking and I see Lady Alexandra pop her head across Lockwood's and her fancery is quivering like this and she says, <laughs> So wherever I've travelled in the world, there seems to be a common proverb among poets and it translates into English as this, never piss off a poet. So I wrote a poem, <laughs> and you're going to help me with it. So it riffs off a nursery rhyme, hopefully lots of you know it, the pussycat, pussycat nursery rhyme. So I would like you to ask me, pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? I will respond, then I'd like you to ask me, pussycat, pussycat, what did you there? Is everyone clear on that? Okay, I'll just get out my prop. You'll understand with the poem, okay. I'll say the title of the poem and then I'll point to you. Pussycat. Pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? I've been to London to visit the Queen. I frighten the Western world with my big hair. <laughs> my Moana blue mena, my plantation house shawl, my power orb, my New Zealand drawl, my Siva Samoa hands, my blood red lips, my va philosophizing, my poetic brown hips. Then standing before Her Majesty and the Duke of Edinburgh, centred Polynesian navigation, making sure I was poetically thorough in inverting the timeline, saying West is best. Instead, drawing a circle, encompassing all the rest. Revenge best served cold. <laughs> I
I'd like to finish off with a poem that came out of that experience and just really honours the queens that I have met. Dr Ngahuia, you wear royalty on your chin, moko kowai marks spirit kin of another queen, te arikinui dame te atai rangi kahu. Hawk of the morning sky, the longest glide over Topiri Mountain, an unmarked grave framed by Tyrian purple roses. Your crowning hair, now spiky and short, is flecked by degrees, an MA on frame, a PhD on Te Aroa. Your people, Tuhoi. Waikato, your black leather robe flows, your Westminster is made from Aotearoa clay, your rituals, vestibules of karakia, story, scholarship, lit in hollow alcoves of stone, bone, flesh. Queen Tahuri, H.R.H. Elizabeth II, nine decades of blue linen rule, the longest ever. We were both born on April 21st, you in 26, me in 71. When we meet, kanohi kite kanohi, I am exactly half your age, and for a second think to mention it, when bowing, shaking your petite gloved hand after you asked about the poem, a flock of frigates flying out over the Sacrarium steps. How did you memorize it all? <laughs> I'm a poet, Your Majesty, it's my job. <laughs> Yes, yes, I suppose it is. <laughs> Boucheron blue irises set in the cool parchment of your skin, lines written into Britain's history. Powder blue hat, white gloves, changed to black in the running of the crowd. You are 12 sick days off from 64 years of royal duty. It takes an Eckhart moment, but in those few seconds when we exchange breath, we are both queens of the Commonwealth. Oprah, you are the royal O, by common decree, via talk show TV, offering up the stage's platter, serving the hors d'oeuvres of our lives, 36,000 interviews from first black president to local resident. Yes, we can, Obama, to Ari the hoarder. You share with us at Vector Arena that after every interview, no matter who you speak to, they all ask, was that okay? What you hear is, Am I okay? You recite by memory Caribbean King Derek Walcott's Love After Love. I met him in St. Lucia. 
He signed my book, shook my hand, couldn't stand because of the stroke the day before. In the crowd, we three lean in, konohi kite konohi. Alice Walker, your shawl sprawling universe wraps all the words as we are pulled into the spinning stories defying the gravity of racism, sexism, history. We are about to step on stage at Altea Centre in front of a sold out crowd of 2000. I ask, how would you like to walk on? Before me or after me? You say, let's just do this and take my hand. We stroll on side by side to a standing ovation. Your hands become doves crisscrossing above your heart, winging blessing and thanks over fields of lavender nodding to the wind's womanist wisdom. Welcome home, queens. Welcome to yourselves. Thank you so much, Fafa Taitele Lava. How's the talker talker going? Whereabouts is it? In the crowd. We're about, who has it? Someone has to have it, please. <laughs> it's at the back. Thank you so much. And Sam, could you put up your hand? It needs to end up with Sam. Thank you. Thank you. This has been an archival recording from the Going West Writers' Festival. Thanks for listening.